Welcome to the Lair of Aquatic Transmissions, presented by the Icelandic University of the Art, Design and Architecture Department, in collaboration with 101 Radio. It's a platform for discussion, ponderings and wonderings about the future relating to design, art, science, etc. My name is Garðar Eyjólfsson, and I'm an associate professor at the Icelandic University of the Arts. And I'm Valgerður Birna Jónsdóttir, a product design student first year. This session is called Food Futures. We're going to attempt to discuss a bit uh, the future of food, both globally as well as locally in Iceland, and how designers, creatives and artists are engaging with that subject. We have three guests. Could you briefly introduce yourselves? Uh, my name is Ellen Arna. I'm 24 and I am finishing my BA now in product design in Atlaoi. I am Elin Marco. I'm a food designer artist working with food, looking into how and why we eat the way we eat and thinking how it could change or how it could be in the future. Yes, and I'm Guðni Sara and I am graduating now from the MA program in Listaurskolen from design and I focus mostly now on salad culture and future foods. Great, thank you. Um, I'm Vala, and Garadar was here talking in the beginning. So, at first I want to ask Elinardna, I know you have been working with the future of food and future of eating. What did you get out of your research? Um, I found out a lot, but what I found most interesting was uh, insects, algae and bacteria. Um, and I was looking like around that subject because it's not very interesting to think about uh, eating bugs and bacteria in the future. So I was just uh, looking into possibilities like what can we do with it? And what I found uh, really interesting was uh, creating powder out of it. And uh, from that 3D printed and uh, it's really interesting about 3D printing food is like you can create whatever you want. But my project did not end there. I started looking into more like um, uh, the things around it. Uh, how will we? Uh, how will uh, customs and rituals change if we start just 3D printing our food? Mm -hmm. And Elin, you've been also working with how we're eating, like the ritual of eating, right? Yes. Mm. I've been looking a lot into our rituals that we have right now and uh, what they mean and why do we eat that way because it's a food is a often a raw product that you find in the environment and then you transform it and then you eat it and throughout this, two, this transformation process and this like ingestion process there is um, a lot of uh, action and practices that carry meaning and uh, history. 
and that's why we don't eat the same way or cook the same way from a country to another, even though it's tend to globalize a little bit uh, nowadays. Um, and from this research, um, I also put my own interest. I look a lot into the role of gender into food. Um, yeah, and I, and I kind of wanted to rebounce on what Ellen was saying, because uh, this uh, new foods, which, which are not really new actually, like uh, bacteria, salkis, and uh, insects have been around us in many cultures. And you know, you have bacteria in beers and you have bacteria in a lot of drinks. Um, but the, those particular projects are super interesting for Iceland that uh, has uh, has a history of agriculture and husbandry, but maybe not as intensive as some other place in the world, because mainly of the harsh climate, it's quite hard to grow mm -hmm. anything outside here. But then those uh, bacteria, uh, algae and yeast, they actually need mainly power. Um, so you can grow them inside and you just need a facility, you just need electricity to heat and give uh, light to those uh, living uh, beings um, to grow them on a, on a very large scale. Um, and here in Iceland, or a lot in Europe, we don't have so much uh, ritual around that, around eating insect bacteria and yeast, except uh, bacteria and yeast in drinks, um, but bacteria and algae and the other, and the insect and the other form of powder is fairly new. And maybe I would like to know more about what you thought for this uh, ritual, or like this uh, this new form of food, which is powder. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I started thinking more like not really related to the powder per se because uh, it, I thought it was such an easy way out to think uh, that we are just 3D printing it. Um, but uh, what I thought about like if we're 3D printing this powder, like we lose this uh, element of cooking and uh, that might be like really uh, utopic for some people, but a lot of people love cooking and uh, doing things in the kitchen. So it was more about like, how will cooking look if 3D printers are just cooking our foods for us? Like, are we starting to cook something else, like the environment, colors, shapes, sounds? Mm -hmm. So will like recipes uh, revolve around that, like the things around the food rather than the food itself? Yeah, Gwyni, you've more been looking into the agriculture than the more technical 3D um, aspect of this? Yeah, kind of kind of both, actually. I okay. started out with my MA thesis focusing on, on Icelandic agriculture and the automatization happening within the field. And I ended up making like a speculative future project, which I think can really help us uh, think about these things and kind of uh, build a bridge between the public, um, designers and scientists but I think this is very interesting like with uh, 3D printing that I think it's directly linked to the, this possible future of foods that it's more aimed by like personal needs and personal fields and maybe like this 
nutritional values could we, it, we vary so much like you and me we don't have the same nutritional needs so this is something that could uh, also help with that because right now most of us don't really know where our food is coming from i think we can agree on that <laughs> and mm-hmm, this could also help with that to maybe even though we're not cooking it it's making us more like having a personal connection to what we're eating so yeah i think it's very interesting i think you're, it's interesting when you talk about the ritual of cooking and like are we going to lose that ritual because like you said before people really like cooking mm-hmm. and holidays are about that mm-hmm. like christmas for example and birthdays and yeah. uh, just having people over yeah you were thinking right erin arna about new rituals at some point in your project at least um in a way but uh, yeah i don't know about, about new rituals no we had a chat earlier um about like something else coming instead of yeah. the ritual of eating yeah it was more like if this then that kind of a question yeah um as i said before like um will we be focusing more on because how we enjoy food is not only about the taste of the food itself it's everything around it so that in a way could be a new ritual that we are uh cooking the environment also and how that plays into how we experience the food that we're eating and how it tastes and how the texture is mm-hmm. instead of only focusing on um yeah the taste itself <laughs> yeah and ellen you like the sensation of eating and the feeling you were doing like a new set of cutleries right and yeah yeah i think uh talking about the future of food it's a uh, i i agree with with this that uh, we spend less and less time cooking uh so then what might become most important is the experience you're having while you are eating um and uh, for now uh, personally maybe i found it was a bit boring because it's <laughs> it's a lot with uh, forks and knives at least in this part of the world um and then uh, i was wondering if we could do more and eating is such like a bodily experience it's something that you can experience with your mind as well as just with your sensation it's very carnal it's uh, mm-hmm. really something that you interact with with your mouth which is a very intimate uh, private part of your body uh, and that gets inside you which is even more intimate and private um and if we spend yeah less time cooking which looks like we do now then i think there would be more um experimentation and maybe and this is where maybe new rituals it's like new ways of eating and maybe it's not going to be with a fork and a knife maybe it's going to be also with your phone so you know this instagram trends of like taking pictures with your phone mm-hmm. And uh, I've worked in many restaurants and the, I was like serving the guest and the guest 
usually takes 30 seconds to one minute to take a picture of the dish before eating the dish. Mm -hmm. So they are like experimenting it through a screen, so very visual, before uh, interacting with it and experimenting it with other senses. Um, and uh, that's also maybe something I wanted maybe to make a connection with how those new ways of uh, pleasure or finding pleasure. So I think maybe you had a question on scarcity at some point. All right. Uh, yeah, I think this kind of uh, really interesting thoughts about this kind of, uh, it relates to kind of this uh, topic of synesthesia, where you kind of, uh, yeah. where it's more maybe uh, exploring the relations between our senses and how we can maybe also cr cross-reference the senses, like, you know, can we smell color, etc., or like, you know, how can we experiment more with the sensical nature of eating, not only through eating. Um, but I'm also really interested in like this uh, more maybe the systematics and like the, kind of the future of agriculture. So maybe directing the question to you, Guðni, because mm -hmm. that's a bit what you've been looking into. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, I guess maybe in Iceland, we are coming from a very, uh, you know, kind of a fixed heritage of uh, having a really close relation with certain animals like sheep, for example, or... Mm -hmm. And then there's been this kind of introduction of like tomatoes and greenhouses. Uh, but I wonder, like, do you have any thoughts about where we're heading? A big question. Um, <laughs> I mean, my in my research, I had to uh, take a lot of interviews and I and I checked up like young farmers where they were situated within the topic. And most of them right now are just having basically financial problems because I think all of them are really open to um, changes and changes in production to kind of better suit changing consumerism because I think that's where I mean there, there are a lot of huge changes just like this that we've been talking about uh, right now um, relations with animals I mean I, I think also what we've been talking about is this technological side that when thinking about relations with animals, there's always this technology in between now, like you're talking about um, eating with your phone or, or 3D printing your food. Right now we're seeing like um, technology collars around uh, the necks of cows, which can actually like tell you about diseases and changes within the animal much better uh, than the farmer can actually do himself. So. Right now, we are seeing a lot of changes there, for example. Um, I've also been exploring like the synthetic biology behind all of this and how just cell culture is going to probably um, flip the whole business at some point, I think. Maybe it's going to take some time, but then we're looking at statistics that say that one cow cell can provide about 10 tons of meat so we essentially can feed the population of the earth with 150 cows. What will happen then? Will the farmers lose their jobs? There will be more jobs around the cell culture, just in different fields. Um, so there are huge uh, questions here to be, to be asked. Right. It's also maybe tapping into kind of the rhetoric of like, we're seeing more maybe architecture and systematics that are more like uh, relations between machines and animals mm. and kind of, you know, the more introduction and the push of technology with animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and just 
technology and bought this. I mean, we all have our phones, we all have smartwatches, we have AI technology in, in greenhouses, and then we have AI technology around the necks of the animals. So I think there's no way of stepping like or going around the subject. I think there's always going to be this animal technology human relation right. from now on. So maybe also to kind of contextualize for the listeners, like so you, you talk about synthetic biology mm-hmm. and this kind of idea about the cell. Yep. So uh, is that more kind of how we are maybe deconstructing the animal to specific parts and we are mm-hmm. utilizing those parts? Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to kill the animal when you're using its cell. It's still alive, but you can actually eat it, which is kind of a, a crazy thought. And uh, also comes into like veganism is that going to be veganism if you're eating the animal but it's still alive and well and healthy this is something that i cannot answer for you <laughs> um mm. but exactly yeah this this stripping the animal parts until you have only the meat or or the muscle or, or whatever it is that you're you're making when is that an animal also a okay good question. so is this this is going to be we can see this a new graduation exhibition. Yes. Great. Um, coming back to the uh, kind of uh, this kind of idea about utilizing other senses in, in food, Elin Arna, because uh, I saw your piece, uh, which was very much about exploring other senses, for example, the visual, utilizing like uh, projection mapping, where you kind of project images on tables and on, on food to kind of influence how we sense them. Uh, so how do you see this coming into our reality? Is it like through the home or is it, do you see new services coming or? Uh, I focused my project uh, on the uh, scale of uh, having it at home. Um, because uh, when you go somewhere out to dine, uh, you are already expecting something. Uh, you know that someone is cooking the dinner for you and they're going to serve the food for you. So your expectations play a lot into how you experience the food. So that's why I wanted to have it at home because you don't have those expectations. And from that, like, how can you play then with this experience when you're just changing uh, the environment and the surroundings at your own in your own kitchen and your own dinner table. Mm-hmm. And the other Elin, maybe as a last maybe question in this session is like, because uh, I know you've been really interested in utilizing uh, kind of food or food rituals like the dinner table. You have used it in the past quite a lot as a, like a theater for debate. Is this still something that you are into? Do you do you utilize food in this mean do you, in this manner, or or has it changed, or is it changing, and why then? Um, I think I still use food and uh, in food culture, so whole behaviors and belief attitude around food to kind of create debates in the audience or uh, guests that come to my projects or dinners. Um, Because food is so much uh, 
more than food. It has so much uh, meaning behind it, and it it carries some kind of a story. So when you see uh, a special food, if you see lamb, so if you see like a half head of a lamb, which is very traditional for Iceland, then you can you know it tells you already something uh, from where you're seeing it and uh, from the place, and of course the settings around it tells you so much uh, about what's happening. And uh, yeah, I think I, I still use food in that way uh, to because it's so easy to to take something familiar, just like a plate, and then instead of giving forks and knives, you give like a stone and a wood stick, and that is already enough to um, create a shock or, or cre- create uh, thinking. And uh, and I found it in my practice a, a very funny way to talk about. Uh, debatable topics um, which can be the future of agricultural food or like DNA modification into food and animals or could also be gender representation in food uh, why some food are more associated with the woman gender than the men gender and then how does it become when there is no gender Um, I think that's all we have today of time but I want to thank you for coming And I want to thank you for listening.